What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful humans? Today we have Miss Mia Magic. Mia Magic is an ambassador for modern magic and bringing the ancient way to the modern day. She's a spiritual coach, a wizarding world aficionado, and witch school headmistress. She's also one of my dearest girlfriends, and I'm beyond ecstatic for you guys to get to connect with her here today. Hi, sweet queen. Hi, girl. Hi, goddess. Hi, sister. Hi, I feel like we've been meaning to do this for quite some time and I I trust that it's divine timing right now. Yeah, now we're just going to record it. (laughs) So you were saying you just had a wildly incredible bodywork session. Yeah, that and on top of just the wildest birthday week and karmic reprogramming and and my moon and yeah, I did a whole yoni gazing ceremony with myself last night. Just yeah, deepening. It's been a rebirth day week and it's been really good. And this acupuncture bodywork session that I just emerged from the cocoon of was a nice cherry on top. Wow. Tell us more about the yoni gazing. That sounds amazing. So I'm taking Dakota Chanel's. Did you, you never met Dakota, but you know, no. Anyway, so I'm taking Dakota Chanel's Amrita orgasm course. And one of the assignments, like the first week's assignment is to do a yoni gazing ceremony. And I just like set myself up. I made myself this beautiful botanical beverage and lit candles and said prayers and called in all the good stuff. And I'd actually redecorated, you know, that fabric above our bed. I was like doing that. So I was making it into super sexier temple vibes and just would catch myself in the mirror while I was doing it and just like look at myself and be like, fuck yes, queen, make your temple. And then, yeah, I just dove into it and I was bleeding. And so it was just profound. It was, Mm. I couldn't believe how much I could love the parts of my body that I either hadn't paid attention to or just hadn't thought were worthy of my love. I was like, oh, you get to fuck this pussy? Like, yeah. (laughs) Oh my fucking goddess. Yeah, it was great. So I just been lit this week. <laughs> mm, what do you like for our listeners who have zero idea what yoni gazing is or the benefits of it? Could you give us a little rundown for someone who might want to try it? Yeah, I think that it would be a profound experience for anyone. I've definitely looked at my yoni or pussy before, but not in such a ceremonial and intentional way. And just looking at her, you know, we've been reading, you and I are doing the same course. So we've been reading lots of books about feminine anatomy. And I just really um, got deeper. I haven't finished it yet, but into the, what is it? The female anatomy of pleasure? Women's anatomy of arousal. Women's anatomy of arousal. Yes. Thank you. And so I've just been looking at all of these parts of my genitals, what exists between my legs that I've been taught is only two or three things. And it's actually 12 or 15 or a hundred different things and different types of tissue and different ways and modes of arousing each of those types of tissues. And so I just, yeah, touched sensually, not sexually, but touched parts of myself that I didn't understand what they were ever before. And then was in this beautiful ceremonial container of like channeling what she said to me and writing a letter from her to me. 
So I think for anyone who hasn't done this or hasn't looked at their yoni at all, you get to choose your own adventure and your own depth and whatever would make you feel excited or alive. Because reading that scientific book, maybe I wouldn't have thought was going to turn me on. But then when I went to experience what I was experiencing, it was so powerful to have this other knowledge. And you and I are both such little students. We love to read and absorb all the things and learn everything. And so I think that there's really a lot of different ways that you could go about it. You could just be with a light and a mirror. You could just be in front of the mirror. You can make it really sexy. I, like I said, I made myself a beverage, a nice little sparkling elderflower and honeydew melon. You know, I just went for it. And it was so profound. And you could make it as introspective or as expansive or as pleasurable or as exploratory as you want to. And the the gazing of it is really like the way that you would look into someone's eye and look into their soul and except it's you, it's your body. It's this portal and this place that likely not always, but likely other people have gazed into or looked at or penetrated. And so it's just a moment for you to connect with the soul of that part of you and the soul of pleasure. And as Layla always says, you know, pussy, the frequency, the consciousness, the energy of pussy. And so, yeah, it was really, it was more powerful to combine all of those elements than even I thought it was going to be. It was really Mm. amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting when you were sharing about how it's like looking into someone else's eyes or eye and I, it brought me back to the day of the fire. I was doing a tantric ritual of dearmoring. And one of the things, the beginning of it was yoni gazing, which is kind of like a weird, I don't know. I'm like, buyer beware. This shit is so motherfucking powerful. If you're not on the right timeline, life will put you on it. But aside from that, what I realized wow. in that ritual is I was like, oh my God, we talk about our third eye. This is like the eye of life. Because it looks like the shape in a way, in all different yeah. ways, but like that that eye kind of shape. Um, and so it is like eye gazing, exactly as you said, in a way. So, yeah, it just brought me back to that. I, I mean, you are a witch. I love running into you all over L.A. I mean, I've stayed with you recently when we are in L.A. I was living in Mia's guest house <laughs> before we moved to Boulder. So we're that tight. But I just love like I'll bump into you at the fucking grocery store. I'll bump into you at the markets. And you've got like your full expression, your beautiful custom witch hat on. So for those of you who don't know you or haven't been introduced, like can you tell us a little bit about your journey into magic and witchcraft? Yeah, it's been slow and steady and and sort of a consistent unfolding really and blossoming since my early 20s. And there were different words for it. It was consciousness, it was yoga, it was I mean, really spirituality, anything. It it all just from my perspective sort of means the same thing. It's just different pathways to getting there. And when I was already on the path, so they say, I met this amazing woman at Burning Man and I'd been in an accident when I was 16 and I had almost lost my arm. So I had this really bad scar. And at first it wasn't allowed to be in the sun. So I really programmed myself that it's not allowed to be seen. And so even after it was healed and I didn't need to cover it up anymore, I still did. And the summer that that changed right around my Saturn return at 26 or 27, something like that. 26, I think, right before. I 
ended up having the sleeve that I would wear on my arm fully dematerialized for my reality. I had like 11 of them. I always had them with me. There was like one in each bag in every room and they just all disappeared. And I knew that it was time for me to move on from hiding in that way. And I made my first video, the first ever, it was on Facebook, you know, back in the day. And oh, I made my first those. video <laughs> and it like went micro viral on Facebook for having as many friends and things that I did, like hundreds and hundreds of comments. And I couldn't believe that people even cared that much, you know, all so many people just like throughout my whole life honoring me. And a month or so later, I went to Burning Man for the first time. And so all of a sudden, it's all about being who you are. And I was actually fully myself for the first time. I was free. I wasn't covering up who I am. And I met this amazing woman who I'm sure you've met, Lauren Brand from uh, Petit Hermitage. And that's who I camped with. And we hung out. I cooked a lot. I was like serving and like decorating Serge Giton bikes and stuff. I was just like doing a lot of service. It was my first burn. I just kind of felt like, you know, giving back. I didn't even go out that much. It was so overwhelming. And at the end of the burn, because I'd been around helping camp so much, she was like, we should hang out when you get back to LA. I do a lot of witchy shit. And I was like, that sounds cool. I don't really know what that means, but yeah, let's, okay. And she just took me to things that I'd never experienced before over and over again. And she had first used that word to describe it. And it was Guy Douglas's breathwork sound bath and an ayahuasca ceremony or two and 5-MeO DMT and song circles and just so many wild parties, so many different things, cool, like cob house building experiences out in the middle of the desert in no, like, where are we? And I just said yes to everything that she wanted to bring me along to. We went and visited this like 80 year old pianist friend of hers in Napa. You know, I just was like, okay, let's go. Of course, he's a total wizard, you know, just magical. And that opening to so much more than what I had had other people interested in, experienced myself, really seen that that communities are engaging in just blew my mind. And it was like real witchy shit. And she always wore a top hat. And I always like, I got myself a top hat the next burn. And it just like, wasn't my hat. Like I loved it. It was totally a magical hat. I love that hat still to this day when I put it on, I'm like, yes, but (laughs) that was her hat, not mine. And then at the last burn that I went to before it didn't happen last year, I met a girl in a witch hat. And of course, there's a lot in between those two things. But when I put that hat on, it was like, this is the magic hat I've been waiting for. And I've worn this hat and a hat like this hundreds of thousands of times. And this is just who I am and how it feels. And in between those two experiences of being open to witchy shit and putting on the witch hat and fully claiming it, I just, I say this all the time, but I just really recognize that the word witch means wise. And it's about how we all cultivate our wisdom and reach our awakening. It's going to happen in a myriad of different ways. But my, my core of it is understanding that the universe is communicating to me in its own language. And I have many different ways of interpreting that language and also learning to speak it in return and reciprocate. And so that has been, that has been what 
witchcraft or crafting my wisdom has been about for me and and a little bit of how it started. Mm. Yeah, and you you speaking of like everyone's unique language with the universe. You have a really special relationship with nature and herbs, which you know is pretty witchy, I would say. Uh, can you talk a little bit as well? You also have a very deep knowledge of the history of words and also the history of the goddess prior to, let's say, the patriarchal takeover. I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit. Oh well, how many hours do you have? I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that. From my perspective, what I've learned, and I highly recommend this book by this amazing surgeon named Leonard Schlein. He is, yeah, he was an incredible author and he wrote a book called Alphabet Versus the Goddess. And that book of all the witchy books I've ever read, that book has the most new information of any single source that I'd ever experienced. And a a synopsis of it is that there is so much evidence of vastly matriarchal cultures and many legends and many myths and many stories being changed throughout time. And when we think back before CVS or Long's Drugs or wherever your pharmacy is, that used to be the forest and the trees and the plants. That's what almost every major pharmaceutical drug is synthesized after is a plant, like 99% of them. They are our medicine when we know how to utilize them. And so if someone knows how to take care of themselves, if they know how to communicate with the language of the universe, if they know how to heal themselves using the earth, if they know that the true nature of the goddess and the mother is abundance and they trust, then they don't really need anything from you or from anyone, right? And so from my perspective, the magical workings of life and and the nature of life from evidence of every remaining indigenous civilization that there is, is that we all had this magic and we all had this connection to the earth and we all knew that the plants could heal us. And the church, you know, I think sad, it's, it, 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 the story is mostly men. So, you know, who knows, not wanting to generalize, but that, you know, I mean, we've all seen a scorned person do horrible things. And so I think that there were just many hurt and sad people who felt conquered or small and decided that anyone who felt bigger than them or was more powerful than them needed to go down. I mean, the same, I always, it's not the same, but I always liken it to slavery. These people have vastly more physical prowess than we do. Let's shut them down and lock them up and change how the maps look so that Africa looks smaller on the map so that it's, it's just this crazy thing that happens in this patriarchal system where somehow the the actual like weaker minded people are in power or or take over from from those who have the true power. And so the goddess, the mother, everyone emerges from a womb, from the yoni, and every major civilization used to honor and acknowledge that. And once the church took over, things just changed. And even the word mafia, this is one of my favorites, is ma and fia. The first recorded use of the word mafia was in witch trials in Sicily in 1668. And it was about women who were initiated and bold and powerful. And ma is mother and fia is daughter. It's like the daughters of the goddess. And so 
so many things like that have changed. So many words, even when you go from using symbolic language and hieroglyphs and pictographic imagery to abstract, which is like this symbol equals this sound and these sounds together equal this word. And then these words, it's like very abstract. And it's Mm -hmm. even a different part of your brain than receives pictures. And so there's so many both biological and cultural, societal, religious things that changed over the last few thousand years. And from my perspective, it just has been mostly to disempower people and to take them away from their wisdom and their godliness and their divinity. And so that's why we're all here. And it's like a great opportunity to just remind ourselves and each other and do the fucking best we can to remember, to just Mm. open into our magic, however, and our wisdom, however it shows up for each of us uniquely. Mm, so 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 powerful why do you think why do you think that is that these patriarchal systems got into power why do you think it is that as you said the smaller minded tend to be in power and why do you think it is that the power of let's say the womb and women or people with pussies is suppressed what's the point why do that You know, when you back anyone into a cage or when anyone is intimidated, they act out. I know that I've acted out when I've been intimidated. I know that people have acted out towards me when I've intimidated them. And I just think that at a certain point, the capacity to create life, it doesn't happen without women and people with pussies in the womb. Mm. And I think that at a certain point, Something broke in someone. Someone was abused. Someone was tormented. Someone was heartbroken by something devastating and decided to take it out on women, a woman, the womb, the mother. And I think that that somehow, I think, and you you probably know this too. And we all look at this. It's, I think it's easier to be miserable. It's easier to just like say, fuck it. And it takes a lot of work to (laughs) do the other things and be the other ways a lot, consistent, Mm. fierce work. (laughs) And it's annoying. And I like, sometimes I'm over it. And yet I think that people who don't know how to do that just stay yeah in in dark sad challenging hurtful painful places and that like wherever that chicken or the egg kind of thing occurred it just was sent down and you know men have been taught not to cry and they have to like be these warriors and protectors and people don't know that the witch wound affected men almost as much as women first of all there were men being killed as well there were magical men being killed as well when the witches were being burned the numbers are vastly vastly under exaggerated and if you think about any man who's 
there to protect his wife or his sister or his daughter or his cousin or his mother or whatever. And she gets ripped out of his home and killed. That's going to hurt him too. That takes away his purpose. That makes him a failure. And so then all of these men who think that they're failures when their whole purpose has been to be the protector, the provider, they're just all in this wound. I mean, you know, you and I both have very ambitious men that fear of failure. And I mean, and us and ourselves, me too. Like we've, you know, I've talked about that, that fear of failure is poisonous and toxic and challenging. And we all have so many tools to be able to work with it. And it's still hard. So I just think that there's, there are genetic and ancestral things that have been passed down. And when you look at the indigenous tribes, even in Europe, there were indigenous tribes all over Scandinavia. And I mean, indigenous just means of the place, but like first nations people in Europe and in Scandinavia and in the British Isles. And all of those people were wiped out by the Romans or whoever was in power throughout time. And those traditions are gone. And so everyone carries this a little bit, everybody. And Mm. I just think that that's, that's how we've all fallen victim to it. Everyone thinks we need to just like, make money and pillage instead of connect and work and live in harmony and and create harmony within ourselves. Mm, Yeah. You're really cutting to the core of like the kind of extractive nature of our culture that seems based on what you've said has been like a virus in our consciousness for a while now. Um, Hearing you talk about ancestral healing and feeling this stuff present in all of us. Do you have any tips for people to maybe identify if they or where their ancestral healing is and how they could begin that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that looking at the thoughts and the patterns that disempower you the most What are the things that you notice about the way that you interact with other people, the way that you relate to money, the way that you relate to yourself or your self-love or your worth, Um, and then see where, if you see any of those patterns in your family, in your parents, and does your mom show up like that? Did you learn that from your dad? Is that a result of trying not to do something that, that a parent or an authority figure did? Well, then likely the wound is whatever the thing is that you're trying to avoid doing. And then I think that there are a couple of different things, depending on what, you know, you're such an auditory person, like that's not my way of learning. And so for me, I would, and I know that you do tons of breath work and we do all the things, but for me, I would want to either like sit and eye gaze with myself about it and sort of ask the questions, uh, like, what is this? Where does this come from? How can I heal this? Or I would do, do breathing into my body. If you're more of a kinesthetic learner, I would like breathe, scan through my body, look, ask where, oh, this tightness. Oh, okay. What is that energy? What is, what does it feel like? What does it look like? You know, what does it want to say? What does it need from me? And then for someone who's auditory, maybe you'd want to like write a letter and hear and listen to what the whatever the pattern or the the lineage or a particular ancestor if you want to call them in and ask them what this is or how you can heal it that would be those would be like the three best ways that I would start on that and also just knowing about the lineage where your family comes from you know is is really helpful I tried really hard to do some more ancestral digging recently and my parents just don't have much and so I think that being, yeah, being able to find out what 
even if it's just the greater story, even if you don't find your particular family story, but if you find sort of the the overarching and, you know, don't read the patriarchal version, read the <laughs> read the version that is like a few lines back and has some, yeah, maybe has some magic woven into it. Because I find that pretty much every culture has had magic and deeply spiritual cultures since the dawn of time. <laughs> Mm. Do you feel like magic and witchcraft uh, has a stigma about it? Have you ever experienced that when you're wearing your witch hat around or just in life? You know, I definitely would have said before I fully claimed it, I would have 100% absolutely without a shadow of a doubt said, yes, witchcraft definitely has a stigma. And it has been mind boggling how little of that stigma I have experienced with how frequently I wear that hat and how much I am claiming that word. It's every time someone asks me about it, quite frankly, it, it kind of revalidates how mind boggling it is. It doesn't make any sense to me. I get a couple of, you know, you're a demon, like let Jesus save you people on YouTube, (laughs) a couple you know, those people, those people love to hang out on YouTube. Like the trolls of all the platforms. I feel like the trolls get out from under their bridge the most on YouTube. At least that's been, they um, love getting out from under their bridge on YouTube. They're like, you shall not pass. You're a demon. Listen to this Bible verse. And I'm like, listen, I love Jesus. Jesus is one of my allies and guides. I am so here for Christ consciousness. One of my favorite clients I ever worked with was a physical therapist who was like, I just want to give Christ consciousness. I was raised super Christian and I'm a fucking witch, but I just want to channel Christ consciousness. And I was like, yes. And we did it so deep and so good and healed so much in her lineage. It was amazing. And so I love the nature of Jesus and of his teachings and his charity and his brotherliness, his inclusivity, his love. Yes. The people who speak on his behalf, I'm just not super available for. Mm. It's like, no, I don't think Jesus would ever say most of those, any of those things that you're saying. And so it's been really, I think because of that, I think because that's, that's actually true for me. I Christians flock to me. They love me. I got all kinds of Christian witches in the, in witch school. I got a couple of people that, you know, like haven't told their parents or aren't talking to their family about it or whatever, but I'm here for it. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's about, if you're into Christianity or Catholicism or whatever your religion is truly for a deeper, more loving relationship with the divine, bless. Great. I just don't get down with the people who are you know, doing the excluding and the burning in hell and the, you know, smoting and all of that. That's just not really what I'm, what I'm about, but I've been really, <laughs> I've been, this really, is not a party I want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly not an invite list I want to be on. So, um, yeah, but I've been really, I think that it's, don't get me wrong. Who knows what might happen? You know, there is always a part of me, even when I go out into the forest, it's like, someone's going to come kill me this time. Someone's just going to take me out right now here while I'm just singing in the trees. It happens to me all the time. I was just in humble in the redwoods in my favorite place, my sanctuary. And I'm still sometimes looking over my shoulder just to make sure I'm not about to just get 
sniped. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that is just residual. And so it's going to be like that in different ways for all of us because of the stigma that there is. And I just think that the stigma itself is misguided, obviously. But, you know, singing songs, knowing your body, understanding how to heal yourself, being able to communicate with the planet that gives us literally everything. These are the types of things that people were killed for. And yet what, what is more important? I I just Mm. don't know. And so I've been finding that more and more people, despite their, their labels for it are coming to understand just the wisdom of the earth itself. And if that's like Mm. what makes me a witch is that the earth has wisdom. I don't even, I don't need to take any credit for it. It's not mine. I just get it from her. And I feel like more and more people, because of all the spiritual practices and the yoga that's accessible, people have a little more space to be able to hear her and listen to her. And so I think that that's what's ultimately allowing us to sort of release some of the stigma of witchcraft and have it be this hugely trendy thing now. You know, Mm. the witch hat itself was the thing that like built my following and my business and all of it. It's like kind of crazy, but I just think that it's because people, yeah. And and because people want to see themselves, Mm. people want to be able to see who they are and know that they're magic and listen to the mother that we all share. Yeah. You, you touched a little bit on this idea of the witch wound. Mm. Uh, and I know that during uh, pleasure ma- magic, sex magic practice that we, we were doing together, mm-hmm. uh, I had that deep realization, which I shared with you around this witch wound that I have been carrying that I didn't even know was in there until I was really deep in ritual space, you know, around experiencing my sibling having a psychotic break, going to visit him in in high security facilities, padded cells, hearing screams. And I like had during this really deep ritual, that flashback and association that, you know, I don't often visit and then had another flashback of, you know, witch trials and like this kind of being burned and realized almost in a way how there's like a modern day version of that in which we don't take care of the people who are really spiritually gifted, but often very ungrounded. So like, how do you look like, I I think about it this way. When I was a kid, I used to go see a psychic because of my spiritual sensitivities. My mom would take me there. And I would think going back and forth between this mental health facility, visiting my sibling and this psychic. And I would see not everyone in this space is, was psychically gifted, but many of them were really gifted, including my sibling. And I would think, what, like, how is it different that this woman is just out as a psychic making a living from it? And there are these people who, you know, have been so unsupported. And I mean, the difference usually is trauma, which leads to addiction, which leads to ungroundedness. I realized that. But what I realized in that uh, process and that ritual was how much that experience alone had also perpetuated this witch wound in me. This like, it's not safe to be fully connected to your spiritual power. It's not safe to be fully out of the spiritual closet. Cause I mean, I've been in this work for nearly a decade. I'm out of the closet, but I'm not always as forthcoming. At least I hadn't been up until about 12 months ago with the level of, let's say my own witchiness. That was like something I did in private. That was something I did with my friends, like with you. And, and it wasn't something that was at the forefront of my work because there was there was this witch wound. So finding that in, in myself, not even knowing that was there, I'm just curious for people who 
kind of want to understand maybe do they have witch wounds? Like what would that look like for them? First of all, what does it look like for you? Have you experienced that witch wound? I heard you talking about being in the forest and like feeling like, fuck, is my life at risk? There it is there. But is there any other ways that it manifests for you that you've maybe worked through that you want to share? Or is there ways that other people who might be listening and think maybe I have a witch wound um, that they could kind of work with that? Yeah, totally. There are so many, I think, you know, just to speak to your brother and and people with mental illness, I've had several clients who had been, I'm even working with someone now who has, who have been institutionalized and it's because they have massive awakenings or downloads and openings and activations and are seeing fairies and elementals because those are magical gifts. There's a reason that all those elementals exist throughout all the world, all the Menehune in Hawaii. I literally talked to a guy when I was in Hawaii who was like, oh yeah, I had to make a deal with the Menehune when I moved onto this land. Like I told them I wouldn't go near the spring. And I was like, how exactly did you make this deal? And he was like, they were just standing there right in front, you know? And he's just telling me about his house. So I think that, you know, we just forget that. And so if it's like the voices, what if you're just hearing the, you're saying, oh, it's the little people. It's like, you know, people think you're insane. And what if it's real? What if it's true? What's happening? Again, like you said, some people I think are are um, more troubled or more traumatized than others. And so it can show up in different ways. But I definitely think that a lot of psychic and super supernatural gifts end up in, in institutions and in psych wards and with heavy medication in a way that is just like not suitable to, to treat or to empower, to heal those people at all. That being said, I think that, like I mentioned before, everybody is going to have some form of witch wound. And so it can show up very differently. If you were really smart and you always knew the answers, like Hermione, for, for example, and you know you would raise your hand, but then outside of, of the classroom when the teacher wasn't there, all the girls just fucking hated you or all the boys, you know, were like, oh, you're a fucking nerd or whatever the kids say that's horrible to each other. I'm like, how does she know? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's horrible. And those little moments are you showing your wisdom and it can be speaking your truth. It can, you know, for me, a big one was like saying how I felt when I was a kid. I would like tell someone the truth about how I felt about something. And everyone was like up in arms and that I should have, shouldn't have said that. And I should have, and I was like, but it's just how I felt and it's how they made me feel. And, you know, so it can show up so many different ways. And I, I would say that the the main way that it definitely shows up for me is in my sexuality and in my deep relationship to nature. It's my relationship to nature is primal and wild. I would be like feral and outside and living in a burnt out redwood cave, you know, like I would feel happy in a lot of ways doing that if that was acceptable for me. Do you ever see that movie Nell with Liam Neeson and Jodie Foster? Yeah, no. he finally like finds her out in the forest. She's kind of mute. Anyways, I'm I always going to resonate with that movie. Neither here nor there. Okay, so, um, and then also with with speaking my truth and with talking about magic and with talking about things that were just for my little fairy tales and me being fantastical and whimsical and weird and unusual and childlike, you know. And I think that. For me, the best way to to heal your witch wounds is to do the things that you're afraid of, is to take the leaps off the cliffs and know that the nets will appear every time. I really resonate with the archetype of the fool from the tarot. I, I always have. It just really feels, yeah, it 
even my mom and my mom and I for my birthday last week, we sat and had dinner and we just went back and forth and talked about all the things that we've learned from each other. And that was just the first thing she said. She goes, you will just take a leap off a cliff. You will just dive into the unknown and you just always land on your feet, girl. You're just like, it's like the little clouds in like a video game just make themselves for you, you know? (laughs) And my experience is that that is a magnetic attraction for trust to manifest itself. It's like, if I know that I can do this thing and I trust and I do it, then of course, like by the nature of creating my own reality, then I'm going to be able to trust the thing that happens. And, you know, we all have different forms of trust issues. I certainly have several, but this one with myself has been a really big and, and powerful transformative step and is the main thing that I work with with my one-on-one clients. It's like, here's the invitation. Here's the scary thing. For some people, it looks like admitting on Instagram that you are into dragons and fairies. For other people, it means dyeing your hair purple or like wearing witch clothes. For other people, it means being attracted to a certain gendered person or not, or whatever the case may be, it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to show up uniquely and it's going to, it will likely feel like either something that has been suppressed and shut down or something that you're overcompensating for something that you feel like is trying to keep you, you know, small and hidden or, or from shining or something that is like, you know, just, like raging out of you, you know, bursting forth from within you in a way that maybe isn't super empowered or doesn't feel good. And generally those are the things that I find to be manifestations of witch wounds. And and one of those for me is certainly around like feeling shamed. And, and so if I'm, if I'm naked or if I'm dancing or if I'm just like, like fully expressing my face and stretching and like, and I feel judged by that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, fuck. And it, and it just is agonizing. It's so much extra triggering than, you know, than something else, or then even sometimes a, a different person do, having that reaction to me, you know, like, so I think that it, it's just going to show up in a myriad of different ways. And it's really all that the, the healing of the witch wound requires is you stepping forward, even in this retreat that I was supporting at why I went up to Humboldt, there was this girl who like follows me. She was so sweet. She brought me a gift. She's like amazing. She was like, I love you. I'm so happy you're going to be here. And she was super terrified to even talk to her mom about being into witchcraft at all. And her mom's super Christian. She was like, it was so beautiful. She was crying in the ceremony, looking just at the candles and this beautiful altar that had been made. And she's like, if my mom saw this, she would say it was evil. You know, it's just so sad that it's this beautiful thing that we've created and just sisters coming together and her mom thinks it's evil. And at the end, she had done all this work. I led them through sex magic, like 20 girls out just doing it, getting it all the way, full pleasure ritual. It was magnificent. And 
she put in the group like the day she got home that her mom actually called her and was like, I'm really sad we're not closer. Why is that? I love you so much. And she just came clean and told her mom everything. And her mom was like, I'm sorry, you know, we can agree to disagree, but I love you. And I want to, you know, and that's just been my experience is that every time you do the thing that something in your heart or your soul, or your womb or your pussy is, is calling for, is yearning for from within you, that then you find an entirely different world on the other side of that choice. And that's that net appearing is mm. it's like lifting you on a cloud up to a world you couldn't have imagined from the place you were before. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like what I'm hearing you say is that net appears from the embodiment of the identity, like hearing you talk about you were wearing the hitch, witch hat and you claimed it fully and then everything shifted for you, hearing, you know, leading this woman through doing sex magic, which I'm sure a big part of that was like embodying the new identity and then boom, all of a sudden this new reality showing up. And I've actually like today even had a synchronicity that confirms exactly what you're talking about. I've been, everyone knows listening, third time's a charm. The name is now Awakened Love and I'm fully stepping into claiming that like love, sex and awakening. And I was telling a good girlfriend of mine who's been a friend of mine for a really long time about that and saying, yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know why, but it feels risky. There's that witch wound to come out of the closet with this. And she then screenshotted, she was like this day, seven years ago or something was one of my first in-person workshops on sacred sexuality. And she was just like, my love, like this has always been you. This has always been there. What's the fear? And so I was exploring that with Patrick, like, yeah, like what is, why am I a little afraid to come out with this? And Mm. we were exploring it on a walk. And what I realized is part of it, I was like, I don't actually want to, for some reason, it feels like it would threaten our relationship like claiming that I've realized the fullness of that initiation. And I, and there was a part of me that was like, Oh no. And he's like, baby, four years in the day I met you since the day I met you, our relationship has been a test lab for your work. That's not going to change. It's the same. (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. And so been claiming it more, changing the name of the podcast, just owning it. None of my one-to-one clients are surprised because this is what we've been working on the entire time. But Today and a big part of it was also, and I know after the fire, I was talking a lot about how I felt like I've you know homogenized myself in my work a little bit in order to get the huge corporate clients and da 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 work with the big names that I was working with. I had that witch wound, that belief that I couldn't be too erotic or I couldn't be too sexual or I couldn't talk about love and intimacy or woo woo things. And then just today, huge corporate client comes in that wants to talk about sex and love, and I was just like, isn't that so? Isn't that so interesting? Exactly what you're talking about when you're willing to take the leap of the thing that feels most scary and embody the identity, the net appears and the confirmation in the wildest ways that I thought would never be possible. I said, well, I'm willing to lose it all. Fine. All my corporate clients. And I did for a time. I did lose all of my corporate contracts. I did lose all all of it had to burn along with the house. It's like all had to burn, had to be willing to let it all go. And I truly believed that that would no longer be a part of my path, that there would be no opening for that. And then, of course, the universe is like, expand your horizons, sweet queen. But I just thought I'd share that because it just feels like it's literally illustrating exactly what you're talking about, about going where the fear is, leaping, embodying the identity and allowing that net to appear. So I'm so happy, I'd love you, babe. That's amazing. Thank you, my love. Yeah, yeah it feels That's so good. Thing. 
that's it. It's the courage. It's like, I'm going to do it because this is what feels right to me. And then the universe is like, okay, well, here's more of what's right for you. Like, thanks. Mm, Confirmation. Well, speaking of love and sex and intimacy, did you use any magic to find your man? For our ladies looking oh, for a man. Oh, girl, you already know. Wait, did, didn't you, have you not seen the spell? You've seen it, right? Yeah, but share for our listeners. Okay, well, just making sure that you have seen it because I've been showing it to a lot of people who hadn't seen it before and then they're like, you didn't draw this beforehand. I'm like, yeah, I did. So yeah, I made a really powerful love spell for my man that included many different elements and was a representation of who he was that I really engaged with as if it was real. And I gave it a place in my bed. I crystal gridded my whole bed for masculine side obelisks and feminine side spheres and, and feng shui my whole house to have full symmetry and be representative of the, the colors and the the energies that I wanted to call in, like had all of my corners dialed uh, and feng shui is such an ancient Taoist magic, just like God, this body work that I just had that is like, whoa, I mean that, yeah, the, the ancient wisdom of China is just so next level. So yeah, my dad has said he he's a karate master. And so he traveled through China and Asia on the Australian yeah. karate team. And he always says like, I've seen some shit in China that I cannot explain, which is his version yeah. of saying he's witnessed magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the feng shui is definitely a huge component of manifestation. I think the color magic and all of the things having a throne, like no one else is allowed to sit on this. This is my throne. No one sits here. Mm. You know, and, um, I don't even really let anyone else in my office at this point. Like you can look, but don't touch, you know, I've been and, in there and did a yeah, scrying ritual exactly. too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I want to hear about did. that. I want you to share about that scrying ritual as well. That was fucking so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, fire scrying with Madrone is something that the, the native people where I grew up, the Hoopa tribe in Northern California that they have done for a long time and all types of fire scrying people use bark and herbs and all kinds of things. And yeah, I think the the one thing that I will say about finding the partner beyond Feng Shui, I mean, that's great. But the biggest things that I was doing, I was celibate for almost three years before I met Bear, but I worked on the aspects of my masculine side that I wanted to receive or attract in a man. And for me, that was like getting a big, beautiful home and setting up my business in a new way and and like decorating, feeling fully set up because that's the kind of man's home that I would want to enter into. I'd want him to like have a place to, you know, entertain me. And mm-hmm. so I needed to create that for myself. And that went along with a lot of other internal emotional things, blockages that I had from being able to, you know, sign a lease on a big house by myself and put 20 grand down and be like, whoa, I'm still okay. This is crazy, you know? And uh, yeah, it was really, it was really powerful. It was really great and amazing. And, And most of the work that I did was on either the aspects of my masculine side that I didn't have that I expected from a man or the, the parts of my feminine side that were, you know, what made me feel most alive and what made me feel most empowered and sexy and, and healed my old wounds of sexuality. And I just simultaneously worked on those things for two years. And then when I really actually felt ready and was committed, I did do this, the crazy love spell. And then 
carried that spell with me for like seven months and then got the house, which was the big fun foundational. It's 444 as I'm saying this here, you know, the big pillar <laughs> building foundational thing for me. And then did the feng shui and the decor and met him a month later. So I definitely, mm. I think that magic, you know, we can use magic to get anything we want and everything, whatever we want. You know, I haven't manifested a three-dimensional dragon to ride on yet, but like Bear's making me one in VR and I see them in the trees all the time, you know? So we're making progress. I haven't shown you yet. I have this really interesting skeleton on my altar that we found in the Sea of Cortez in an abandoned salt mine. Patrick found it for me and I have it on my altar and I was asking everyone, what, what is this? What do you think this is? And no one can answer and it looks like a baby dragon. So just side note that and <laughs> when I'm hearing salt it, mine like a cave it was like an abandoned salt mine so there was I mean it was so beautiful there was literally like rusty old tractors with cactuses growing out of it and abandoned buildings with a freaking typewriter in it from you know it must have been the 50s or the 60s when it was abandoned just totally dilapidated in the middle of nowhere in the sea of Cortez it's just nothing for miles and miles and miles uh, and it's just this, yeah you can go float in the little pond of salt right on the wow. sea but yeah super super wild and what I'm hearing you say that's really interesting though, like whether you whether you resonate with the idea, like masculine feminine thing, whether you resonate even with the terminology magic, which I loved how you were talking about everyone's you know own version of that. What I'm really hearing you say is that you worked on your wholeness. You worked on yeah. all the parts of you that were reaching out saying, I need someone yeah. else to do this, to fill this part of me. And instead you said, I'm going to create wholeness in myself. I'm not going to settle. And then when you do magic and manifestation from that space, of wholeness because you've done the work it's not just the spell right it's like the spell is turbocharging your intention your focus yeah. um, your energy but you'd already laid all of the like the groundwork and the foundation for that through your wholeness which is just such a beautiful reminder for anyone listening I cannot believe we're at time I feel like yeah. we're it, it always does which is a good sign I always feel like whenever I get in this space I enter this like timeless portal so before we wrap i'd love to move into some rapid fire questions if that feels okay. good yeah let's do it what you got for me really <laughs> just want to acknowledge you too girl you're crushing it on the on the gender non-binary thank you for the reminder so much it's so important because it is about wholeness and i the dynamic that i was calling in was was a man and i'm a cisgendered woman but i really appreciate that reminder and and that it isn't just about two facets. It's about a spectrum and it's about energy and what we show up with. And that's always such a good reminder. And, and, you know, especially as someone who's so committed to the words, I want to be weaving them always with welcoming arms to everyone so that everyone's magic mm. is safe and, and held. So thanks for that reminder. Mm. I love the way you worded that. Everyone's magic is safe and held. Yeah. Feel that in your system, people listening. Me a magic. Quote of the day. Retweet. What does Oprah say? Tweetable moment. Oh. Everyone's magic is held and safe. So rapid fire. Okay. Someone comes to you and they're feeling really down, but you can only uh -huh. give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Jump around and move your body and dance and scream and let your emotions out. Mm. Love it. I also love that your face shifted like we're on a game show. As soon as I said rapid fire, it's hilarious. I feel like your hand is like yeah. ready for the buzzer. I love it. I you're know, here, I you're like, ready. Are there points? Like, when I always want to say one word, is it like yellow or green? Green. Uh, 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 chicken or egg? Egg. Like, you know, I don't know. 
<laughs> you nailed it. What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Communication and willingness to take responsibility. Mm, yes. If you could be any animal. Dragon. What books do you gift to people the most? Diana herself, Alphabet versus the Goddess, Braiding Sweetgrass. Yeah, those are my top three. Mm. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? The ability to travel through both space and time so that I could fly, but I could also like go see what really happened with Jesus and the witches and all the things. <laughs> Tell those YouTubers, listen. <laughs> Just kidding. If you could only take one spiritual practice, one tool with you to a desert island, what would it be? Well, if I'm on a desert island, are there trees there? Mm-hmm. Hmm. One spiritual practice. I mean, is breath work a spiritual practice? Like, I feel yeah, like everything really. else is, I mean, because I'd be able to dance. I'm thinking about like a specific, I guess I'd, I'd take a journal because everything else I would just be naturally doing on a deserted island. But I would, I would have a journal. I really love being able to write my, like channel the messages and then be able to read them back. So I would, I would take my journal. That'd be my spiritual mm. practice. <laughs> Your answer just actually helped me refine that que- refine that question. So hmm. you're you're create you're really creative. You actually saw yourself there, which no one else has done yet. Um, oh, so great! I'm gonna refine the question based on that. I was like, I love the way your mind works. Yeah, what I'm like, is- I'm in here. There are trees. I can dance in the waves. I can go swimming. I can feel the sand in my toes. This is meditation. I feel good about this. I was like, what's the only thing I would want? I want to have, be able to write. <laughs> yes, Queen. What's your favorite thing that you own? Do I own my journals? I mean, having my stories for, from so many years, that's so weird to have the same too. Cause I'm like thinking about like my grandmother's opal ring from Singapore, but yeah, like of all the things, you know, we had fire here. You guys saw we had fire here last, a few weeks ago, not last week, last month. And yeah, those, those are like the first things that I always put in the car is like my hard drives with you know, sort of the electronic journals and the actual paper journals just to keep the stories alive. Mm. I guess that's kind of silly, but. No, it's profound. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. What is something you believe is true that other people might think is crazy? Magic is real. This is the wizarding world. The, The world is being run by muggles and it's just like in Harry Potter where they, except, except that Voldemort plays into the muggle world instead of the wizarding world. That's the only thing is that like Voldemort is not out in the wizarding world as like Lord Voldemort. Voldemort is in hiding in the muggle world as a muggle. That's the only mm. difference. And Lord <laughs> and that, Voldemort, I, would you say Lord Voldemort is actually just a virus in the human consciousness rather than actually a person? I don't know. Completely. Just and riffing we here. all have an inner Voldemort, you know, mm. we all have that. That's in there for all of us. And we get to choose when or how or if we listen to it and, you know, like let it act out. JK Rowling's you're welcome. We just gave you the next series. (laughs) If you could eat one, if you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Okay. So on this little island in Greece called Eos, I had this pasta that this woman, Theodora, made. She was like an Amazon babe and it was smoked cheddar and dill carrot uh, pasta sauce in these raviolis with roasted pear and cheese inside of them. 
And it was one of the most obscure things I'd ever seen or heard of. And I can still, to this day, like over a decade later, remember those flavors in my mouth. It was so spectacular. So I'd have that as my pasta. And then I would have my mom's salad because she just makes the best dressing. She just crushes it every single time. And then I would have probably like a cake that Jess Winterstern made me that has heavy whipping cream and lemon curd. She baked raspberries into my birthday cake. Like they were in the batter, you know? So maybe I would just have more raspberries and more cream because I just like to just dip and eat it all. And that would be my little thing. You are the second person <laughs> that has mentioned Jess Winterston's <laughs> desserts in their before they die meal. So I believe that would make her very, very happy. Um, I was going to say, was the first one her? <laughs> No, actually, I don't think so. I think I can't remember who it was, but there's been one other Jess Winterston dessert. At least there could be more. Um, Last one. If there was a universal answering machine that everyone in the world was going to hear today and you got to leave a 15 second voice note on it, what would you say? Thank you so much for coming to earth at this time. It is so courageous and brave. And we are asking that you open up to your greatest power, pleasure, purpose, and prosperity and help make this planet a better place for everyone. Magic is real and it's inside of you. Have a great day. Oh, fuck yes, Queen. Oh my God. Thank you for your magic, your charisma, your wisdom. I love you so deeply and I'm so grateful for you here today. I love you too. This was super fun. That's it for today, Divine Human. If this podcast moved you, made you think or laugh or D, all of the above, then please share it with one friend. Pass the magic along, spread that love, and let's keep elevating the consciousness on this planet together. So send it to a friend who you think will love it. I absolutely adore it when my people send me epic things to inspire and uplift me. I love you deeply. If you're listening, I know you're an epic human because you're devoted to love and awakening. So thank you for gifting me your most precious resource, your attention, your energy, your time and presence here today. I appreciate you. And one last little invitation, go out and help one person today. Make someone's day. Let's rise together. Let's spread love. And I will be here with you next week.